Chris and Chris Talk Movies. Hello and welcome back to the podcast. So it's me, Chris Ferry, and of course I'm here with my intrepid co-host. It is me or I, Chris Huddleston. Well, you probably grammatically got me on that. Yeah. Is it? It's me. It's me, I think. Oh. I don't know. Anyway, today we're very excited to be talking to you about the sometime or other film. 2012. John. What? what who? When? 2012. The 2012, that's what I said, 2012 <laughs> film, John Dies at the End. Solving the following riddle will reveal the awful secret behind the universe, assuming you do not go utterly mad in the attempt. If you already happen to know the awful secret behind the universe, feel free to fast forward ahead. David Wong? David Wong? Did you doze off there? Black stuff, this soy sauce. That's a drug, right? Just tell me what this stuff is, John. Effects don't last that long? No side effects don't last that long. The effects will last the rest of my life, I think. Why don't you tell me, tell me about your friend John? I mean, that stuff, Dave. I'm remembering things that haven't happened yet. You got to be really brave to ask yourself the scary questions. Your friend is the only known survivor. The rest are dead. He's not looking too healthy right about now. It'd be opening doors to other worlds, man. It's <gasps> the weirdest thing you've ever seen, Arnie. Leave the police station right now during all the commotion. There's another guy in here with me. It's another cop. No, there's not. Check the mirror. How does somebody get into this? There's dead guys and drugs. It's kind of a long story, but now we can see things. Things are in motion, Mr. Wong. Nothing you're seeing is real. I suppose you are wondering where you are. You're having like a like a bad trip or whatever they call it. But there is no magic. Move now. I got my attention, Mr. Wong. Oh, it gets better. A lot better. Okie dokie, okie dokie. Do you have a synopsis for us, my friend? I do, I do. Uh, as we said, John Dies at the End is a 2012 film. It is based on the novel, and actually a series of novels, by David Wong. And it was directed by Don Coscarelli. It stars Chase Williamson, Paul Giamatti, um, Rob Mays, some other people. And here is the synopsis. And this was actually written by the author of the book, so... Uh, it's a drug that promises an out-of-body experience with each hit. On the street, they call it soy sauce, and users drift across time and dimensions. But some who come back are no longer human. Suddenly, a silent otherworldly invasion is underway, and mankind needs a hero. What it gets instead is John and David, a pair of college dropouts who can barely hold down jobs. Can these two stop the oncoming horror in time to save humanity? No, no, they can't. So, all right. That, that's kind of okay. a tough... I, I had to go with that because I've seen this more than once and I don't think I could do a synopsis. So Yeah, it's... Um, Tell yeah, us what you thought lot, about it. 
there's a lot going on. I had not seen it before. I have not read the books. It um it's definitely a mind bender. And you know, sometimes you get a property that I can imagine the books are engaging. I can imagine that the format of a novel or you, you know, this is one of a trilogy of novels, is that correct? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So so you're getting it would be a little bit like Oh, this is a bad whatever, I'm going to go ahead and commit to it. Imagine you just made a film of the two towers, Tolkien's middle book of the Lord of the Rings trilogy, but you didn't um but you stuffed it all into an hour and a half. I don't remember how long this movie was, but it was about I just, an hour and a half. Yeah. Yeah, I just feel like in the book a lot of things are sort of more fleshed out than they get to be in the film. Yes. By virtue sure. of yeah. the format of film. And so it's, you know, it kind of takes off. You feel like you already maybe missed the first 20 minutes of it, and you're hanging on by one hand just trying to keep up um, is sort of what it felt like to me. Things were clearer at the end uh, of the film, and there's a lot of trippy mind-bendy stuff. But that my problems with it actually, those those aren't my problems with it. Um it was interesting. I don't regret having watched it. I didn't enjoy it all that much. I didn't. I didn't think the leads did a good job of carrying the film. Um, you know, Bill and Ted are, is a portrayal of two, you know, noodleheads, but but it's engaging, mm-hmm. right? I mean, you don't like that movie, but you don't tire of watching Bill and Ted, and I kind of tired of watching these two not act through the film. And then Paul Giamatti comes on screen and is just chewing the furniture, like leaving everything on the table. Uh, And then at the end, it's like he's an executive producer of it. Yes. And there was a part of me that just was like, I wish everybody had, I wish that, if it were a play, Paul Giamatti doing that would raise the bar for everybody, right? Because you're all there together and you're not going to let one person on stage be committing that much. You're going to you're going to try and rise to it. But a film doesn't work that way. A film is shot in pieces. And I don't know, there's a lot of these two jamooks like <laughs> talking to each other about what losers they are and <laughs> it's just not interesting at all. Um I don't know, that's my take on it. What 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 do you think? So, um I, I'm trying to think. I'm pretty sure I saw the movie first. Um, oh, you have read the books? Yes, I've read. I've read all three of them. I like the books a lot. Um, and actually, with with uh, with Giamatti um, being executive producer, I was actually reading today. He, uh, I was reading some quotes from him. He was way into the at at the time that the movie was made. There was this one book. And to give you a little background on this, this uh, David Wong, who wrote it, um, he started the book in 2001 and he just he had a blog or something and just released chapters on his blog that, you know, people could just read it for free. That's interesting. And a lot of people liked it. And, um, you know, then he got a book deal and, you know, it was actually released as a full novel, I think it was 2007 when the book actually was released. 
but it was it was kind of a you know for what it what it is it was kind of a big hit it it did really well and then giamatti was really into the book and was excited about um you know producing the movie and it's been quite a while since i've read the first book um you know so i don't remember what they excised you know for the movie but like you said there's definitely and it's not even just um you know that they cut things down for time or anything like that it's almost the movie i like the movie but it's almost like the movie they just kind of picked scenes out here and there from the book you know what i mean does that make sense yeah yep so i mean the the book you know is just way more in depth with with everything and there are just a whole lot of other kind of stories happening that aren't aren't covered in in the movie there's a girlfriend character that doesn't get much screen time yeah she's in the book much much more yeah and so that's why there's people show up and then you're like i bet in the book this is a much more a much this is a major character in the book and as it is on screen it's just a supporting cast member with maybe three scenes where they're just kind of there and be like, well, what about me? Like they don't really get to do anything. Mm-hmm. Um, some interesting effects, some fun, you know, there's um, early on there's so, so genre wise it, Rachel was asking me before we started, like what, tell me about the movie. Is it a horror movie? And I was like, um, no, but there's horror elements to it for sure. Um, I mean, I guess sort of sci-fi if you had to put it in a single box. Yeah. It's trippy, mind-bendy, you know, reality-bending um, with elements of the horror genre, like the monster that sort of forms out of, is it like internal body parts or is it cut meats? I don't Oh, in the very beginning of the movie where they go to the girl's house and she's a ghost or whatever. Yeah. That is, um, it's, it's, it's just all kinds of meats. Yeah. There's a big freezer. It's like sausage. And and I think his head is a chicken, you know, and turkey. Yeah. Or a turkey. Yeah. Forms this monster that, um, right. Yes. That's coming back to me now. So, you know, that, that's a horror element, but it's also a comedy. Mm-hmm. It's also played for laughs, and we, we you hear that in the um, synopsis you read. You know, can they save? No, no, they can't. Right? Um, yeah. IMDb listed as comedy, fantasy, horror. I don't okay. know about fantasy. I mean, it's more. It feels more sci-fi to me than fa- you know, fantasy. I think Lord of the Rings. Yes. So it's an alternate. Uh, it's a alternate. Uh, like a mirror dimension. It's an it's another dimension that they kind of punch through, right? Yeah. An alternate universe. And the soy sauce, as it were, is actually f- from that dimension that the people in that dimension are trying to open a pathway between the two. Yeah. And they manage somehow to get some of this soy sauce across, and, and it affects people in different ways, but... Ultimately, they're trying to get it into somebody who it doesn't end up destroying so that person can open a door between the two realities from our side. Right. Did I get that right? Mm-hmm. Okay. So yeah. for whatever reason, these two bobos um, <laughs> don't die from the – they just really wig out and hallucinate. 
Um, yeah, and so in the alternate reality, there's sort of a, I guess it's described as a living computer, but it's just this huge organism with tentacles and a giant Sauron-like eye and a deep disembodied voice, and it sort of mind controls all of the living things on Earth. Mm-hmm. It's, um, forget the name of it. Uh, yeah, I forget what it's called, too. Yeah, I mean, some interesting stuff. I, it didn't really cohese for me, and to me, I think I would have gone with it more if I liked the leads on mm-hmm. screen more. I, I'm I'm not trying to knock the actors. I, they maybe are terrific. I just didn't think they showcased well in this film. The, in, and in the, I feel like, based on the books they cast these guys pretty well because you know they're supposed to be these kind of slackers and definitely john is the more he seems a little more frat boy kind and and he is in the movie and then dave um i don't i kind of like the 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 guy that plays dave i think his name's chase williamson um yeah he's just real deadpan you know through the through the whole thing. So I kind of like, I mean, it matches, it matches what, you know, the, they were trying to do in the, in the book or what the author is trying to do in the book. So, and it was, um, uh, I checked the budget today. It was, it was under, it was just listed as under a million dollars, which I feel what? like, yeah, well, that's a surprise. Yeah. So I feel like they got a lot out of their, their budget. You know, the, the, <laughs> this did. is now a nine year old movie. Um, so some of the, you know, there's some, and with a low budget, there's some digital effects that don't work too great, but the, uh, the practical effects are good in it and you know, everything it's shot well. And, uh, Don, I don't know how much, you know, are familiar with this director, Don Coscarelli, but he's most famous for, um, he directed Phantasm and then there's a bunch of Phantasm sequels and he's involved with some of them and some he's not, but another one, have you ever seen Bubba Hotep? Oh, yeah. Okay. He directed Bubba Hotep. We um, could do Bubba Hotep. Yeah, that would be fun to do because I haven't seen I haven't seen Bubba, Ho- Bubba Hotep since it came out originally on video. Yeah, me so, neither. And that's now, that came out in 2002. So that's now almost, you know. Let's do that next. Okay, that'd be awesome. And that's our next one. We're going to do Bubba Hotep. Yeah. Well, let's wrap it up. So what do you know? <laughs> <laughs> <I'm kidding>. <laughs> but, <laughs> but it's good because we started off saying, what do you want? We haven't even talked about what you want to do next time, but there it is. It fell right in our lap. Yeah. Yeah. So, but, um, but you know, I feel like, again, this is, and I know you having not read the book, you know, you don't have the, uh, the knowledge of what's going on in the book, but this, this is one of these books where you read it and you think, Oh, this would be really tough to adapt into a film because there's just so much crazy stuff going on, you know? Yeah. Um, and well, the... I had that, I had that thought with Johnny mnemonic too, but Johnny mnemonic is a short story. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I mean, I feel like when, when you're dealing with something that I, I don't remember how many pages Johnny mnemonic was, but it wasn't a novel. Um, and this it's got all kinds of crazy stuff going on too, but yeah, I mean they know. got plenty of crazy of crazy stuff in, but uh, the in the book, this is one thing that I think is not um, necessarily conveyed well in the film. 
the book and the books, they're funny. They're definitely meant to be comedies. But he gets into much more real horror where, I mean, there's, there's parts in the, in the books that are pretty creepy. Um, and this even kind of the parts, you know, there's never anything in this that feels scary, you know? Right. Um, so that's a, the, the tone is somewhat different with the books in that, you know, you get into some real, he's able to write some real genuine, uh, you know, genuine horror. So somebody I need to check that out. Yeah. Yeah. I, the book's, you know, um, I think you would, uh, I think you might be into the books. I mean, they're, they're a lot of fun. Um, and I read one uh, comparison today. This isn't ex- ex- completely an apt description, but someone said that the books are like uh, a cross between Stephen King and Douglas Adams. Well, um, that's high praise. Yeah, it's not really the kind of, it's not that same kind of humor as a Douglas Adams book because it's more kind of stoner humor almost you mm-hmm. know um mm-hmm. and obviously i mean stephen king you know is one of the greatest horror writers ever so um but he's pretty good yeah yeah but, <laughs> but it gets into like i say there's some he, he does some genuinely creepy stuff in the book so i think and they're not real long the first book i want to say is probably about 350 pages that's about the length of of each of them so Less than a million dollars. I mean, that's Paul Giamatti not taking a paycheck. Yeah. For one thing. Yeah. And you have, you know, you have some other like uh, uh, Clancy Brown, um, who's this, uh, I forget what the name of his, he's Dr. Albert Marconi. He's this kind of spiritualist guy. He's not in it a whole lot, but you know, he's, he's an actor who's been in a ton of of movies. And then the detective, his name is Glenn Turman and um, he's in, I think he's in gremlins um you know he's been in a ton of movies over the years so yeah i mean those guys probably have a day rate and they've probably shot you know the marconi stuff you could have shot out in a day yeah for sure um he hits his marks i mean that guy oh he's great he is great and he does a ton of voiceover stuff the more i've gotten into voiceover the more i've come to hear his voice everywhere yeah so I think he's... Um, he has a great voice, you know. I, yeah, and I think he's able to just show up and make big choices and go. And he's like, what'd you think? And you go, mm-hmm. uh, it was great. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Um, you know, of course, my favorite role of his has got to be Highlander. I was going to say, yeah. I, I imagine that was... We got to do a Highlander on here, too. Oh, that'd be fun. Yeah, I've, it's yeah, been a long, long... already seen Highlander. You know, it's been a long, long time since I've seen it, you know. Yeah. Um, You're going to be only one. <laughs> that's the. That's God, definitely that's the first... No sense of humor. <laughs> that definitely is the first uh, movie I can remember seeing him in. Yeah, he's young. He's young. Uh, and then I think it was a... I guess that's still Highlander with Sean Connery, right? Yeah. yeah. Yep. Nice. My cut has improved your voice. <laughs> <laughs> that's great. Okay, well, we got to do Highlander, too. Sure. But let's stick with Bubba Hotep for next. It just feels like a nice uh, a nice follow-up since we got the connection there. Yeah, for sure. So we got, you know, we got a lot going on in this movie. I think that, um, you know, Trogdor, or whatever the name of the creature is, 
could have been absolutely terrifying. I can see that. Mm-hmm. I can see that they they made choices like, well, let's keep this fun and not tip it over. You know, and the idea of they, they cross over and this guy comes in a weird mask and there's a bunch of naked women with him, more or less topless women of all different shapes and sizes, and they're all wearing masks. And it's really weird. And I could totally see how that could have been done in a way you know, there's a type of horror that's like existential horror. It's like the Lovecraftian. It's not necessarily monster clowns or, um, you know, giant lizards or walking dead or body horror as much as it is something that feels like it doesn't fit into the box of reality. Right. You know, something that is a step to the left in a way that is really upsetting like uh, things that touch on the uncanny valley or that way Mm -hmm. you just get this really deep sense of there's nothing in describing that that is innately horrifying except if you're here perceiving it it just feels wrong like uh, you know and I feel like there's a lot in this movie that is kind of going for that right you know like when you're on the drug you're perceiving time and space differently, and, and it turns out that you're sort of able to see things of another dimension. And there's something innately horrifying about feeling like you're coming unmoored from a reality that you can comprehend, you know? Mm-hmm. And I don't think this gets at that um, very much, but the concept of a, you know, of a, of a sort of a monster or band-shaped thing forming out of cutlets of meat... Um, or they, they actually they I, there's a real nice little trick they do where he's on the phone with John and he's in the police station and John's like get out of there and he goes I can't leave there's a cop standing right there he's like no there's not check the mirror and he turns and it's a neat shot where th- we see the guy standing right there but it, the camera turns with him to show the kind of one way mirror and the man is not reflected in the mirror and it's a simple trick but it it's a, it lands effectively yes. you know a moment you you go and it's this is earlier on in the movie where you know how is he getting a phone call from John when we know John's in a coma and John is doing some fun time bending stuff like oh wait no um I haven't been there yet okay never mind mm-hmm. um you know what I mean? Like, so you get this idea that time, or there's another point where John turns to another character and he goes, "Oh, you're still alive." Okay, well that means we need to go to the mall. <laughs> Whatever. The guy's like, "Wait, what?" <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Lots of nice little moments like that that you don't have to spend a lot of money on. It's just sure. clever architecture. Um, less than a million dollars. Mm-hmm. I am. I mean, it doesn't make me enjoy the movie more, but I am impressed. Yeah, because uh, this is they get a lot in this movie for that budget. There's a fun scene you you reference that uh, in the police station. There's a fun scene where so Dave is in the police station, and and as you said that you know the the guy doesn't appear in the mirror or whatever. Well, then that guy starts as soon as that happens. That guy starts fighting him, and he has this you know he kind of looks like I mean he looks like a cop, but uh, he's just this kind of crew cut guy, and he has this mustache. And he's he starts fighting Dave and then his mustache starts to peel off and then it starts flying around the room. And 
So that effect is is pretty well done, I think. And that's kind of one of those things whether, you know, that can kind of tell you whether or not this is going to be a movie that you're going to like. If, if you think a character where his mustache peels off and flies around in a room is appealing to you, you know, but if it's not, then this is probably not the movie for you. Yeah. Yeah. I'm not, I wasn't opposed to that. I just feel like it was, um, it was a lot flying in from the left and the right. And I almost would have, I think I'd almost would have preferred some of the horror stuff to have sharper teeth. Yeah. Honestly, you know, cause it was like the movie was sort of vaguely deciding to be more of a rollicking romp with those elements. And I, I, I think it almost would have worked better as a full-on horror movie. Um, a sort of a slow burn horror movie with, with Jacob's Ladder elements early on, where you know the horror is like crazy stuff is happening, but we can't figure out why mm-hmm. or what's really going on. And then when we finally get, discover that there's this sort of Cthulhu thing and an alternate dif- dimension trying to get at us. Then you can, you know, then crossing into the other dimension has more, you know, you're there. You're not seeing flashes of it. You're, you know, being led to the lair of the beast kind of thing. And Yeah. The books get, uh, especially as I recall the second book, there are definitely parts of them where they get dark. So it's not, you know, not the that kind of happy silly yeah. tone all the time so i mean they, well, they must have made a decision like in deciding to make it it was you know you don't arbitrarily make a movie they they must have said look let's try and keep this pg pg 13 you know that's our target audience right i think it was r though yeah it's rated was r it? yeah because mm-hmm. the nudity you know and there's some language the oh, violence yeah. isn't there's not really the violence isn't isn't too graphic or anything, but I kind of wonder if it's just with a budget, you know, with a lower budget, it's probably easier to go funny than it is to, to really be scary, especially when your effects are limited, you know, maybe, but speaking as somebody who made a horror movie for $35,000, um, the practical effects that we made up ourselves, are my favorite parts of that movie. <laughs> oh, okay. And I'm not, you know, it's not a great movie, but, um, you know, there's a there's a part where someone's face gets cut off with a tile knife, mm-hmm. and that didn't cost anything, you know. And that's just all practical effects and blood we made ourselves, but I think it looks amazing, and it's really, ups- it's the most upsetting scene in the movie. Um, and that wasn't expensive to do. I mean, I suppose if you wanted to do that, the monster looks a little corny at the end, but I think yeah, the crazier CGI would have been more expensive. It's still what they can do with computers today. I mean, it it didn't look terrible. No, it just looked kind of goofy. Yeah, yeah, it feels a bit sci-fi channel-ish. I yes. would say. Yes. Yes. You know. In your movie, you should uh, you should actually do a shout out for that because it's. I'm not saying this just because we're friends, but it, it's a good movie. I mean, it's. Well, worth I appreciate watching. you saying that. I I went especially back especially for thirty five thousand dollars. 
You know. Well, for thirty, yes, for thirty-five grand, it's a great movie. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, Salvage is what it's called, uh, and it was. Is um, it streaming anywhere? I think you can just watch it on YouTube. Oh, okay. Like, somebody ripped it and put it on YouTube in like four parts, and the way everything fell out, there's nobody who's like legally, you know, trying to protect the interest of this movie so it's just it's just there i'm thinking you could just go watch it for free um and it's under there's another title too right isn't it under another title some places yeah european the release of european was uh, i don't remember what the european release was but it was 2006 we took it to sundance um yeah, I mean, we, nobody ever expected it to go that far. We just wanted to make something we could sell. Uh, and I think it was a 35-page script or something. It was this skeleton of a script. The guys who made it, Josh and Jeff, Jeff Crook, um, were all about sort of flying by the seat of their pants, you know? So mm-hmm. they weren't huge on pre-pro and... They spent a little more time in post-production, but they they just sort of figured, like, I don't know, we'll go and we'll get it in the can and then we'll cobble a movie together. And unfortunately, the finished film feels like that. I mean, it came out great for the money and time. We shot it in a month, I guess. Mm -hmm. So a month and $35,000. And we took it to Sundance. I mean, that's the short version. That's, like, it was pretty good. Um but, you know, the dialogue is really baloney. And <laughs> I think if we had had a better plan going into it, there's some plot holes. And, and the big deal of it is is that it gets boring in the middle. So there's just not enough plot to sustain the 80 minutes. There's probably, you know, forty half of that. There's 40 minutes of plot, and then the rest is sort of if you wanted to be aggressive about trimming it down, you could probably make a 30 or 40 minute thing that told the same story a yeah. lot leaner. Anywho, Anywho. and so, John doesn't die at the end. No, not, ex- yeah. And it's not in this movie. Yeah, yeah. So um, it's false advertising. It, it's sort of, yeah, yeah, in a way. It's a it's a catchy to, catchy title though. It is, yeah. No, I kept <laughs> expecting John to die at the end. And he doesn't. They even set it up for that they could have a sequel. Although the way they set it up for the sequel, I don't think is in. I don't think they did that in the next book at all. I think it's a completely different story oh. than what they kind of set up. So, John, is this an amalgam of all three books, or is this the first book, this or is, is this just, the this middle is, book? Yeah, this is just the first book. I do not believe that the second book had even been written when when this movie came out. I believe, yeah. So, so yeah, it's just all stuff from the from the first book. Interesting. What else? Um. I don't know. I mean, the uh, um, it's a little bit tough when it's either not a movie that is just really super bad and we hate it or a movie that we love and we can, you know, like I say, I, I like this. I've, I've seen this a couple of times um, and, you know, I, I think it's fun if people that like, you know, if you like kind of mind bendy, as you said, sci fi horror ish stuff. 
um, with, you know, you're not too anno- annoyed by, I don't know that they're in this movie. They're necessarily presented as stoners. Cause it's not like they're, you know, Ridden hanging out like, hits. yeah, right. But, but it is, they, they get into this drug, the soy sauce, which is what, you know, enables them to, to do all the, uh, kind of crazy things that they do in the movie. Yeah. It's trippy. Yeah. It's trippy and there is drug use, but it's like injecting this soy sauce stuff. There's, I think there's a lot of interesting stuff in it. It just doesn't, it doesn't quite gel into a singular thing. And again, I I just think for me, these two leads weren't, weren't particularly compelling. I, 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 I'm not trying to be harsh and I don't wish them any ill will. Uh, I just, they, they weren't doing it for me. You know, and a lot of times that's what kind of hooks me in in the movie. I get real invested in the protagonist's struggle. And um, I just didn't really in this movie. There was other interesting stuff, especially with Giamatti, like schmacking his heart out. Yeah, he's great. I mean, he was in tears a couple of times. Paul Giamatti. You know, and then he's he's afraid. It was almost like he had the color wheels. Like, all right, I need to illustrate the entire spectrum of human emotion throughout the course of this movie, and he probably does it. Yeah, and it's cool that this was somewhat apparently of a of a passion project for him in a way because he was really really into the book. Um, you can tell. You yeah. can tell that watching the movie. Yeah. yeah. So that's cool to have somebody of his stature. Yeah. You know, not feeling like they're slumming it that it's like, Oh, this is something that they, you know, obviously wanted to be a part of because they were a producer and, and a co-star in it. And you talking about that, it doesn't quite gel. I, I definitely felt that watching it this time around, it had been several years since I'd seen it and it, it just doesn't, doesn't all kind of coalesce, I guess. And, um, but I was thinking this is a movie that, if I had seen this when I was a teenager or in college, it probably would have been one of my favorite movies, you know, because because it's kind of adole- some of the humor is kind of adolescent. Yeah, you know? very much so. Uh, there's like a there's a scene where and the whole movie isn't isn't always like this, but like there's a scene, this scene early on where they go to this. They're sort of. Uh, presented in the beginning as they're like paranormal investigators and they go to this girl's house and she says that her boyfriend had died and he's been haunting her and they go into the basement and that's where they find this um, this uh, meat monster thing that you were talking about so they're trying to get out of the basement and all these snakes appear and then they well, run she up. She sort of explodes into snakes. Yeah, that's right. That's right. She explodes into snakes. I forget. Yeah, she I was that. like a, a parallel dimension ghost. Yeah. She tricked them to, you know, to get them to, to where the, get down in the basement or right. where the meat monster was. So he could, you know, he could kill them and everything. So they go to run up the stairs and um, they can't get out because the doorknob has turned into a big penis. You know, right. and so yeah. it's there's stuff like that where it's kind of you and know, he's afraid to touch. He's it. afraid to touch it. Yeah. So it's like and that, there's that. that but I mean, at 48, I'm kind of like I'm tired of the casual. I mean, I know. Forgive me. I'm, I'm not big into cancel culture, but the casual misogyny and homophobia and like 
you know, dude, it's a dick. It's yeah. Like, ah, that's the scariest thing is a, you know. And I felt, and I, I, you know, 10 years ago or whatever, I don't know how I felt seeing that scene. I don't remember. But watching it now, it was very much like, oh, okay, that hasn't aged well, you know. Um, right. And it's not like this was the 80s or something like that. This was 2012, right. so it wasn't forever ago. But still, it it just, at this moment, in time it it just felt kind of cringy yeah i agree not to the degree of like 16 candles no I mean, no the, some of that stuff is just like oh my yeah, god yeah there's no rapey I used to love that movie when i was a kid you know there's no rapey stuff in this and they're not like going around calling each other gay slurs and things like that yeah, so right. it's not so it's not that kind of thing but but yeah that uh but when that, we say juvenile humor that's what we mean. It's yeah. like, and it just feels lazy to me. You know, I mean, you can do a fart joke really smartly, um, but a fart joke is a pretty lazy bit. I'm mm-hmm. not opposed to a good fart joke, believe me. Yeah. Um, but having the doorknob turn into a dick is just sort of like, okay. Yeah. It, uh, it seemed kind of pointless. I don't remember if that's in the book or not. Um, I know there's some some juvenile, you know, humor in the in the book as well, sure. but, or in the books. But um, but they're also, I feel, they're they're pretty smartly written. So, you would recommend? You would recommend? Yeah, yeah. It's uh, um, on IMDb. It's a six point four, um, which that's uh, that's about you know I'd put it in that range. Um, yeah, people that you know, if you like kind of trippy sci-fi horror comedy stuff, um, with a couple of leads who are kind of, you know, a little bit—I don't know if douchey is the right word, but you know, just slacker type guys. Then, and you haven't seen this, I would say uh, give it a shot. I think I would. I think I would not. I think I would give it a five. I mean, I always like the caveat of like, if this sounds like it's your thing, go for it. You know, I yeah. didn't turn it off. I didn't want my time back. But I didn't particularly enjoy it either. You know, I, I wasn't I wasn't suffering sitting through it the way mm-hmm. I was with um, Kill and Kill Again. Oh, yeah, yeah. Or even Delta Force. Like Delta Force was just outright boring. Um for as much fun as we had picking apart the spectacularly crazy stuff in it. Um, oh, Mega, Mega, what is it? Mega Force? Mega Force. What did Force, I say? Yeah. Delta Force. I think that's Delta, a Chuck Norris no. one, right? Yeah, that's a different yeah. one. I'm sorry. Mega okay. Force. Um, it's this hazy IPA I'm drinking. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, this is definitely not that kind of movie where it's just like, oh, God, it's I've got to slog through this. You know, no, it's, it's no. A much more competent film than those. I, I mean, I guess. So I wouldn't, I'd give it a, like a thumb sideways. I'd get like, eh, that's kind of what I'd give it. Um, if you read the books and you're into it or, you know, you're a super Paul Giamatti fan or any of that other stuff, sure, check it out. I, I, I didn't, you know, I couldn't take it or leave it myself. Um, I'd say it's worth, time, worth it for the Paul Giamatti performance, you know, which he, is only. If you're a Paul Giamatti fan, this is fun watching him do this because it's a weird role. A different kind really, of movie for him. And, and, and you can tell the director just got out of his way because he's executive producing. It's his pet project. Yeah. So he just chews the furniture. 
like Paul Giamatti is a good actor, but he's also a ham, mm-hmm. and he's really, really gobbling up the furniture. So he's another one of those actors who, you know, is a a brilliant dramatic actor, but he's also a great comedic actor. Yeah, Sideways is a is a real favorite of mine. That mm-hmm. movie is. To me, it's sort of perfect Giamatti because it nails both. He's playing the straight man, but it's a very silly movie. Yeah. And um, and he gets to hit all of the marks that he does so effortlessly. And, you know, he gets to play the kind of low-status schlub, but he's also the hero of the movie. Mm-hmm. Ah, so good. And the other thing I really enjoyed him in was the HBO miniseries um, John Adams. Oh, yeah. He was really good in that, and that was a big, lush, um, period spectacle piece. You know? Yeah. He's one of those guys where, you know, you start thinking about it, and it's like, I can't recall a time that I thought he did a bad performance. Right. I he, No, he doesn't do a bad job. Um, I think... I think... The times when it's not working so much with me and Paul Giamatti is when the director isn't like the he's cast in material that is too stereotypically like they go, you know, who'd be perfect for this is Paul Giamatti, because it's all of this kind of cliche you things you think about the Ned Flanders ishness of him. And, the, you know, mm-hmm. and so you put you a hat on a hat, you know, you kind of put casting Paul Giamatti in this role is really over emphasizing the elements of the character and then the director's like yeah more bigger more that and so what you get is can actually be kind of annoying like he's so good at playing those resentful low status mm-hmm. wounded characters and that that's can be hard to watch on screen you're like yeah. oh jesus <laughs> somebody either put this guy out of his misery or give him a break yeah. like but he's great. Um, he's great. John Adams is great. Laura Linney from yeah, the one we talked about it. She's in that too. She's oh, Laura Linney is great. Yeah, she's always good. She's always good. All right, and we're doing Bubba Hotep for next time, which is um, a real treat. Actually, it's crazy. It's a um, just to tease it a little bit. Indie film. It's Elvis. Turns out Elvis is alive. And living in a nursing home in Florida? I believe Florida, yeah. Somewhere. And um, it is played by Bruce Campbell. And he's perfect. <laughs> so great. And he's trying to solve a mystery. He's doing the Elvis impression. I mean, it's just it's really weird and absurd and bonkers. And I, I'm actually really excited to watch that one again. Um, yeah. Yeah, it's been years and years for me. I already know one bone I'm going to pick with it, but it doesn't have to do with any of the things I've already mentioned. So we've got a few minutes left. Um, Have you been following? uh, Let's just switch from talking film to talking about politics for a second. Have you been watching the trial of the second impeachment? A a uh, little bit. I've I've been working. I mean, at work, we just have CNN on there, and I've, I've just heard bits and pieces of it. But, uh, you know, what I've seen, I felt like the Democrats have done a really good job presenting the case. 
I don't think it's going to matter, but... I don't think it's going to matter either. I think they're going to vote to acquit him. And mm. what it really has been, though, is a really good distillation of what happened. Right? So I think, depending on what news source you followed, certainly the day of, we weren't aware of what was going on inside that building. You know? Mm-hmm. Um Nobody really was. And so what we're getting is this comprehensive sense of this crazy event that actually happened. And the prosecutors are illustrating President Trump's culpability in bringing that whole situation together. Right? Nobody is saying there's no missing footage of him directing people to, you know, break this or that window. Mm -hmm. But he organized a rally on the day of the thing, calling it Stop the Steal. He uh, demonized Pence, right? And then they lay out this very Isn't that unbelievable? And vice president of the United States and wouldn't do what Trump wanted him to do. What Trump wanted him to do was flagrantly unconstitutional, illegal. And as much of a sycophant as he was, he's like, I can't, I I just can't do that. You know what you're asking me to do. And so he said, you got to go up there and fight like hell. He gathered them all together. He'd been ginning them up for weeks. And when it started happening, he did nothing to stop it. Mm -hmm. And if that's not proof, well, it it is, is proof, right? But I think they're going to acquit him anyway. That's the thing I was thinking today that, in any other court, you know, courtroom, you could say uh, he'd be in big trouble. But you know, this essentially preordained. You know, we already know for the most part. You know, there might be a surprise or two here or there, but we pretty much know the way they're going to go with it. But if it were, you know, a regular courtroom where the verdict hasn't been already decided ahead of time, I mean. Again, it's a, a compelling case, I feel. Strange days. But watching the footage of of stuff going down on the inside, man, it would have been terrifying to be oh, in yeah. that building. And that was a that was a mob. Yeah. And they were I mean, they weren't thinking straight. They were really out for blood. And a lot of stuff I think we hadn't I, I don't know how much of the stuff, you know, hadn't previously been aired or not, but a lot of it I hadn't seen that they were presenting. No, a, today, a fair know. amount of it wasn't uh, wasn't had never been made public. Yeah, so. yeah. In lighter uh, uh, lighter news, have you been watching WandaVision? Have you watched any of that? No. Oh, okay. WandaVision is pretty good. Oh, oh, yes, I have. I'm sorry. I thought you said Lawn Division. Oh no. And I'm like, I don't know. Lawn Division, Division is probably be a not very interesting show. It's, but... a, it's a crack team of <laughs> <laughs> landscaping mathematicians. That's right. That's right. Yeah, I don't what think we, it'd do be is we take yards and we split them up into smaller yards. I don't know. They have um, reality shows about. Have you seen? There's one. I don't really get into these reality like competition things. But there's one on some channel where like they make knives 
they make like these big knives and it's like I did I haven't seen it but I saw like a teaser for it like and I was like what ice is yeah, happening it's, yeah it's just like wow this is is we're into like really deep niches you know but anyway so what yeah. do you what do you think of Wanda yeah yeah I've been watching it I like it a lot I I think she's on fire like yeah. she is really um, carrying that whole show which is smart and funny and it's just a terrific transition of the Marvel Universe that that what we think of as the cinematic MCU and the Avengers into television. I know they've had Daredevil and, mm. you know, um, Jessica Jones. And yeah. they've, they've had some other Netflix stuff that they've done, but it hasn't been You're the... Much better than those series, I feel. Yeah, it hasn't been the showcase cinema characters transitioning into TV and... And I can't think of what's the guy's name who plays Vision. I can't think of his name. Um, Paul Bettany. Paul Bettany. Paul yeah. Bettany. I'd, I've never. I mean, maybe he has in the past, but I've never seen him do anything comedic before. And he's great as a comedic actor. He's. I think he's at his best in this. And I don't want to spoil it because it's currently on. I think he's at his best. So, for those of you who don't know what WandaVision is, it's a it's a limited series show on Disney Plus that brings the Scarlet Witch and Vision into um, old American sitcom format. It starts with a black and white 50s, and each episode moves up a decade. So then it's the 60s, then it's the 70s. At a certain point, it colorizes, and something weird is going on. And from the very beginning, the two of them are sort of like, well, did you just, well, that was a funny, why, where, you know, where were we before this, you know? And I think he's at his best when he moves from the kind of um, slapsticky shtick dictated by the sitcom script into sort of trying to parse out why he doesn't remember something. You know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. when, when he starts to break the veil a little bit, it's he does really interesting work. And she is dynamite throughout. Yeah. She's She nails each, the, the sort of female lead from, she's not doing a Lucy impression, but the, the style of the humor very closely mirrors. The production design is great. Oh, it's unbelievable. And she really nails at an acting style level each of the different things up through the sort of Brady thing. And the, the last one I saw was there's a, it's a sort of a 90s thing where she's got, you know, uh, permed up hair. And it's yeah, just. It's, yeah, it's uh, it's terrific, I think. The, yeah, me too. And the the one thing that I've thought about is I wonder I've it's I've seen kind of mixed reception to it, but a lot of a lot of people that I've seen, you know, online talking about it are people probably around our age. I wonder they do such an amazing job, as you said, you know, the the first episode or two, it's kind of like the Dick Van Dyke show, and you know, then it's kind of the Brady Bunch, and then you said like an eighties or nineties, like a Full House or something like that. I wonder, people say teens and twenties, you know. These were all shows that we grew up with. We weren't alive when they were made, but they should. But they were on repeat. Yeah, they were on Nick at Night and everything. And it's just like, so, you know, we we all grew up watching a million 
60s, you know, 50s, 60s sitcoms. And I wonder, you know, we watch it and it's just a lot of it I'm admiring. You know, the story is great, but I'm also admiring, wow, they just got the look of all this so right. perfect. They nailed that. The but nailed I wonder. It. And the script and the dialogue and the the wardrobe and the hair and the sets, everything, everything. And her performance yeah. from the way that depending on what era she's in, from the way she is this sort of docile housewife smiling in an uncomfortable situation changes episode to episode based on the style of what was deemed that's the ideal wife mm-hmm. in this era you know mm-hmm. it's just really subtle in great ways but i wonder uh you know kids that are like teens or people in their 20s who don't have that connection to that stuff they haven't seen those shows i wonder if it means anything to them you know if they have any I don't know. kind of, uh, I, I don't and there's also a lot of, uh, some of it gets really deep, but they also do, uh, I really like the vintage style commercials that they do. Yeah. And there's yeah. a lot of Easter eggs in those where it'll be yeah. like references to Hydra and things like yeah. that, you know, and so a lot of that's cool. And now people have said that it's, you know, you'd almost have to have, you know, and I read all these comics and I know, you know, you were reading the comics back then too. But people have said, like, you would almost have to have an encyclopedic knowledge of everything Marvel to even get some of the, you know, I know some of the stuff is going over my head. And and I read all these comics as a kid, you know. Sure. So I think um, I think it helps to have watched all the Marvel movies. I don't know the, the Red Witch character on page very well. There was some reference I read in in online or something that or maybe they said it in the show i don't remember that the scarlet witch is one of the most powerful beings in the universe yeah they say it in the show yeah yeah and i'm like what but i don't know that's always kind of fun in a comic book thing to tease that it or we saw it in the x-men too with uh phoenix Mm -hmm. you know it's fun to have other mutants be like it's one of the very few you know category five mutants that alive you know that's ever walked the earth it's just exciting to think that there's this character that has these kind of untapped power that that even they themselves perhaps don't know about yeah the danger that poses and the potential that poses speaking of x-men and mutants that makes me think i watched the new the new mutants um it's not very good uh, oh, it, yeah. it, I was afraid that was yeah. The case. Reviews were bad, and I thought, oh, maybe this is going to be one of these ones where you go into it with low expectations, and uh, you know, it's just kind of like, ah, oh, that was better than I thought it would be. And it's, it's not like it's a horrifically poorly made movie, but it just it it, it definitely has the feeling it's it was shelved. I think it was made in 2017. I think they said so. It it definitely feels like a movie that was shelved and they probably, there was probably a lot of studio interference with it. And it's just, the tone is weird. And that was, those were comics that I liked the new mutants comics when I was a kid. Yeah. Um, But it's, yeah, it's, it's just kind of, you know, it wasn't one where I was just like, ah, I was really mad that I watched it or anything, but it's just kind of blah. Yeah. So, Oh, not great. They're not all going to be solid gold. No, 
All right, I you know so I have some familial duties I got to get to. Let's yeah. wrap it up a little a little short this time. For next week, we're going to watch Bubba Hotep, and I strongly recommend that you check it out with us. Yeah, if you Chris seen and it, Chris. Sorry, I just said if you've not seen it, watch it. It's a good movie. It is a good movie. Chris and Chris talk movies at gmail.com. Hit us up with questions, comments, suggestions, positive feedback. Always reviews. Much appreciated. We'd like to have reviews. Sure. And if you're into the podcast, tell your friends about it. We're trying to build our listenership. Get those numbers up. Um, and stay safe and stay happy. And we'll talk to you next week.